Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world. All right, everybody, I've got a great show lined up for you today. I did an interview with a dude named Marshall from Virginia. He works for a company called Hubs Nuts. You may have seen my posts about Hubs Delicious Peanuts. We'll talk to Marshall in a minute. And later on in the show, I went took a road trip out to the Hop Ice Creamery to try their Duke's Mayonnaise Chocolate Cake Ice Cream. And yes... Tubby came to Asheville. Yes, it happened. It happened in a flash. So if you missed it, you missed it. I'm sorry if you missed it. It rained like hell on the morning that uh, Tubby was here. So we could not do it outdoors. We had to move it into Twisted Laurel, downtown Asheville. Thank you, Twisted Laurel, for hosting us in the last minute. But yeah, Tubby was here, man. We got all kinds of pictures with him. We did all kinds of stuff with him. City Council showed up, got their picture, took Zen Sutherland, gave him the key to the city. Jen Hampton from Asheville Food and Beverage United gave him a sash, and we made him mayor for a day. A bunch of little kids, like little tiny little kids, smaller than hobbits, they showed up and they had handmade Duke's mayonnaise t-shirts and they all gave Tubby a group hug. And a woman named Caitlin came and did yoga with Tubby and it was quite a do. It was a lot of fun. And I have to thank the people from Duke's mayonnaise and their parent company, Sour Foods, for bringing Tubby to town. And I have to give a special big thanks to Ingalls Markets. Now, I kept this a little bit on the DL because I wasn't sure how much promo Ingalls wanted me to do with associating myself with them. But Ingalls was very much instrumental in bringing Tubby to town. I had posted online that I wanted to see Tubby come to Asheville. My good friend Leah McGrath saw that post. She is pretty, uh, pretty prominent at Ingalls Supermarkets. She said, maybe Ingalls could help. Next thing I know, I'm getting an email from the guy at Sour Foods, a dude named Joe. Shout out to Joe. And uh, then I'm hooked up with the people from Duke's. And Tubby was at Ingalls first, just in case you didn't know. Tubby was at Ingalls on uh, Blue Ridge Highway, and he raised some money for a charity. So it wasn't just for fun that Tubby came to town. He raised a bunch of money. Can't remember the name of the charity right now, but they they provide books and school supplies for kids. So yay for Tubby. And then he came downtown, was at Twisted Laurel, and we took lots of pictures, and it was great. And I'm sorry if you missed it. I'm hoping this won't be Tubby's last visit to Asheville. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. All right, folks. Well, let's get on with the rest of the show. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan, and I am here in Food Fan Headquarters, but my special guest this week is way up there in Virginia, and his name is Marshall Rabel, and Marshall is the grandson and one of the owners of a company called Hubs Nuts, or, or Hubs Virginia Nuts, or Hubbard's Virginia Nuts. We'll get all that straight from Marshall. But man, oh man, I took a, I, I've had their product. They sent me some and it was awesome. Like the packaging, the product itself, the flavors, the varieties, the peanuts were great. And so I'm a fan. And then I took a look at their, uh, they have a video on YouTube, about six and a half minutes, a uh, quick watch. And man, oh man, they have a fantastic origin story. And I'm so pleased to have Marshall with me today. Hey, Marshall, how are you doing today? I'm awesome, Sue. Thank you so much for having me. Sure thing. I'm so glad you could be here. Um, let's launch right in. Uh, your origin story is straight out of Hollywood. Like, it should be a Tom Hanks movie pulling every heartstring in America. Um, your grandparents, they fell in love, and through adversity, they ended up starting a peanut farm. Can you tell us a little bit about 
your grandparents' origin story and how Hubs got started? Sure. Well, it, it started right here in the home that I'm still sitting in. I, um, I share a wall with my mother whose office was her childhood bedroom. And so my grandfather was a purchasing manager for the local paper mill called Union Camp. They recently they sold to International Paper about 20 some years ago, but he worked for the local paper mill. And my grandmother was a school teacher and she had four children. But after after the set of twins that she had, she decided that um, she was going to try to stay at home and turn this kind of hobby of cooking peanuts and giving them to friends as a, as, as a gift into a business. And so she and my grandfather talked about this and, and they decided that, um, you know, a, a lot of people were requesting uh, what was coming out of Dot's kitchen. So she, she she worked with a lot of ladies here in Sedley that would help her hand skin the peanuts before this is before they would go to the blancher. So she was literally taking tubs of peanuts to the ladies throughout this village of Sedley to help her skin them. And she had a unique way of cooking them, uh, which is she kind of pioneered the cook process called blister fried cooking. So they're soaked in hot water then they're fried in oil, which is a little bit different than a traditional dry roast, which is what a lot of people um, know. That's what planters made really famous for peanuts. But this, this kind of, kind of a country cooking for peanuts to, to deep fry them, but also using the same techniques that we would use to preserve our, our vegetables when we would can them and, and blanch them prior to uh, the winter. And so that was, that was kind of ha- how it started. But she, you know, my grandfather, I guess, was our, our first salesman. Um, and he would go around to the local hardware stores and the pharmacies and, and he would talk to the, to the, shop owners and say, look, I, I know you've got some peanuts in here, uh, but I've got Hubs peanuts and they are, you, you're charging a nickel for this bag um, of peanuts, but I think that our peanuts are twice as good. They're twice as big, so they should command twice the price. So I think you should sell these for a dime. And so they did. And that's how the specialty peanut category was essentially born. Um, which it, it's kind of cool because now, I mean, they were the first to commercialize this cook process and, and, and to commercialize um, the specialty peanut industry. But there are a lot of companies in, in southeastern Virginia and northeastern North Carolina that have kind of followed suit and have created an industry that is somewhat synonymous with Virginia. Uh, it's I think peanuts are one of our, our greatest exports. And so it, it's been fun to uh, be a be a part of uh, that category and to have that origin story right here in the in the office and home that I'm I'm still sitting in. That's remarkable. Um, now your grandfather also was sent off to fight in two different wars: World War II and the Korean War. Your grandmother went to business school at a time when that was perhaps not the most common thing for women to do, especially somebody with four kids. Um, and then your grandfather apparently was instrumental in designing some of the machinery that processes peanuts. And I find that so fascinating. So these machines didn't exist prior to your uh, grandparents' company being founded. And now, and then he invented it. Can you tell me a little bit about how that started? But I'm also curious, are these machines still in use? Are the same sure. machines basically updated with computers, like same basic machine, but now it's run digitally? Can you explain a little bit about that, please? Yeah, of course. And so originally when Dot, my grandmother, started cooking the peanuts, she had one, like a couple deep fat fryers that you would, that you still are, you see at a restaurant where they fry the French fries. And that's how she started. And then as they kind of grew throughout the 50s, 60s and 70s, uh, my grandfather started working with a local engineer to design this uh, continuous cook process that we still use today. And so he it's, it's definitely a, a custom piece of equipment. We have a, a blancher and a roaster and they, they kind of mirror one another. Um, and he it, 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 it allowed us for a larger batch cooking operation. And we still cook every batch by hand. We, yes, there's some automation with the computer system, but we still have two people in the kitchen, one on the blancher, one on the cooker, making sure that everything is flowing properly, checking each, ba- each uh, basket of peanuts with a spoon and making sure that the roast is even and, and that the blanch is, is, uh, is what we're intending. And so it, it's still very much the same um, kitchen and cook operation. We're on maybe the fourth generation of this particular um, equipment. 
Um, you know, when he first started this, he tried to, to patent it and they tried to patent the cook process of blister fried cooking. Um, unfortunately, they were unable to do that, but um, they knew that they kind of had a, something that was a little unique. And now it, it has kind of become the industry standard. Some people, some smaller companies are still using um, the, the small hand fry system, um, but then and others are using a, a larger batch. Uh, oil batch process, but um, it's they've all kind of taken the ideas that that HJ implemented with the local engineers here and and have replicated that. And so it, it has that piece is also pretty fascinating. And that's that's the the kitchen right here in Sedley is still using that same stuff. It's like peanut pioneers. Like they were <laughs> truly, truly. I mean, like peanuts are such a huge part of the American lifestyle. Uh, like everything from peanut butter to roasted peanuts, um, peanut oil. I mean, they're just such an important part of the fabric of our society. That and to think that, like, your company started in 1954, I believe. And uh, to think that prior to that, there weren't even really the proper machinery to process them on a commercial level. And so that's really interesting to me. Yeah, not not the specialty the the specialty version. One of the other things that makes us a specialty peanut is the fact that we exclusively use super extra large Virginia type peanuts, and so it's the highest grade of peanuts grown in Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. And so um, that that's another thing that made them stand out was we they were literally uh, my grandmother went to the shellers and said, "I want what doesn't fit through the screens." So she was able to literally take off kind of the cream of the crop and then and cook them. And so that's why, you know, you look at our packaging, we, we, we're kind of a gift business. We think that we represent uh, the best that peanuts can be as far as a cocktail snack peanut. And that is paying attention to all of the details in our packaging um, from just the key that we use to pop open the can and to cut the foil. It's a nice printed metal can. And so you feel like, when you're experiencing our brand that you are enjoying um, a, a specialty food and it's not just a, a, a peanut. Now it is a peanut, just a peanut, but they're not, we, we have a saying, they're not just peanuts, they're hubs. And that's, that's, <laughs> the, that's what it's a little bit different about us. That's great. Yeah. The, the super extra jumbo, huge peanut that doesn't, it sort of broke the rules and doesn't even fit in the, category system from what i understand it's like bigger than the biggest it's like the amps that go up to 11 you know your right. peanuts your peanuts go up to 11 um right. so and that's and your packaging you've mentioned it is really nice they're cans they're very solid the key that you mentioned to pop it off comes taped to the top of the can really cool you kind of want to keep these cans even after you're done with the product inside and let's talk about some of the product because y'all sent me three examples of your product. And one was the basic blister cooked peanuts, which were super delicious. I'm a big fan of peanuts and have been my whole life. And so I really enjoyed them very much. And next you sent me a couple of products that honestly, I generally don't get too excited about. One is peanut brittle and the other was a party mix. If you want to put it in terms that most people can understand, it was like a Chex party mix, but um, it was your own thing. Now, I mentioned I don't generally get excited about those products. I got super excited about yours because they were so delicious. Even the peanut brittle, I couldn't stop eating it. Somehow it wasn't too sweet, like even though it was basically really sweet. Um, but sometimes peanut brittle is just too sweet for me. But yours, it had a savory element to it, plenty of salt content in there. It was buttery and fantastic. And the mix, the party mix was like so diverse in the flavors and the little things that were in there, everything from whole mini pretzels to peanuts, of course, and sesame sticks, which again, I don't usually like, but yours were so good. And so those are just three products, but you have a lot. Can you talk a little bit about your product line and brag on some of your more creative stuff? Yeah, of course. Well, so, I mean, our flagship product is our, is our salted peanut. And I think that's our number one seller. It is, I mean, it is our number one seller, but for the reason that it goes well with everything, whether you're just having a coffee in the morning or a beer in the afternoon, or you're going on a hike or going on a paddle or doing anything, it goes well. It's a good functional snack. And that's our, that's our number one seller for sure. You can use it in a number of different ingredients. 
and, and recipes as an ingredient in a variety of recipes. Um, and then, you know, and, and then, you know, really through the nineties, we really had, we had salted peanuts and we had unsalted peanuts. And over the last 25 years, we've started to kind of, re, you know, reach out to some different flavor profiles. We don't do every seasoning um, that you could possibly do, but we try to hit all the flavor profiles. So we have our salty, our unsalted, our red skins, which is just the, the skin, the, the skin is still on them and our single origin variety. And that just has a little more of an earthy um, uh, taste to it. Earthy flavor profile. We've got our honey kiss peanut. So it's got a little bit of honey and a little bit of sugar, but only, only a few grams of sugar, not too much. We have a sweet heat, which is kind of our season blend. It's a, a blend of habanero pepper, onion and garlic powder, maple syrup, soy sauce, and turmeric. So it's got a nice like Asian fusion kind of seasoned peanut that's got a little spice, but not too much, kind of a seasoning for everyone. Um, and then you mentioned the brittle and the snack mix. Um, and then our chocolate covered is really our, our probably our second most popular. It's our most popular during the winter. Because we cook our peanuts here in, in Sedley, and a couple of years ago we we um, expanded our operation and we put a chocolate line. Uh, we we um, repurposed an old farm fresh grocery store in, in Franklin, and we were able to take the meat department and the beer cooler, and and transform that food facility into a chocolate uh, production line. And so we cook the peanuts here in Sedley, and then we take them to Franklin, which is just ten minutes down the road coat them in chocolate and then ship them out to you the next day. And so our chocolate covered peanuts are becoming as, as popular as any item that we produce. And uh, we're getting into that season. That's a short season. We usually just ship those November through March because of the weather. Uh, but it, that's slowly becoming our, our number one seller because it's people love a little bit of sugar and uh, the chocolates, the chocolate's great on, on a peanut. It's just a really nice uh, blend of salt and sweet. And it's, I think we do a pretty good job with it. Well, those sound like a great lineup of classic flavor profiles, as you mentioned, like you're hitting the nails on the head. And yeah, chocolate and peanut together is just one of the greatest things ever. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say that the people of Sedley, they must love the smell of roasted peanuts. Like uh, I used to go to my grandparents' house every summer to spend some time with them. And they lived in a tiny little town in New York called Fredonia. And there was a peanut butter factory in nearby Fredonia. And you could smell the peanut butter being made. And honestly, some people hated it, right? But I loved it. And so I'm right now even recalling that aroma. Um, it must smell really good at Selby. <laughs> I don't have a question. I'm just saying that. No, it smells really good here in Sedley. Sedley, sorry. We're roasting peanuts, but even in Franklin, uh, there's a larger peanut. I mean, peanuts are a big part of Tidewater, Virginia, northeastern and south, northeastern North Carolina, southeastern Virginia. And there's another company that makes peanut butter. And now uh, we get we're downwind of the peanut butter factory, which is way better than being downwind from the paper mill. So I will take a roasted peanut butter smell all day long. But I mean, you know, we, we in Franklin and South Hamden County love the smell of the, the peanut, but also the uh, the paper. But it's because of the because of the jobs, how good it is for our economy. But I definitely prefer the roasted peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a, a town nearby Asheville that uh, until very recently had a paper mill. The whole town basically was based around the paper mill and it smelled bad in that town. But they would say to you, Stu, that they would say to me, Stu, that's the smell of money. And smell of money. <laughs> it was true. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the importance of family run businesses. Um, I have thoughts. Uh, I have deep thoughts about that. I think family run businesses are super important to our economy and to our culture and here in America and the United States. Um, are you, I mean, you're obviously a family run business um, and you've stayed small from, from a time before there was zip codes, you were delivering peanuts now into the digital age. Have you had to resist like uh, having people come in and invest and make you bigger than you want to get? Have you had to work to stay a family business or has that just been the way it's been and it goes just like that? No, I mean, absolutely. I think um, fa fa obviously family businesses, I, I agree with you, are kind of the backbone to uh, our economy. Um, most businesses are small family run businesses. Um, obviously, we know about the large ones, but 
I, I enjoy working with my family for my family. Um, I, you know, I'm a third generation in this business. And so my mother, my uncle and aunt, they, they all have kind of worked in this business when they were growing up or in some in, in different capacities. Um, my mother's been running the company. She's pushing retirement age right now. Um, and so we are in a transitional state um, where it's not just um, the, the leadership of our family going from second to third generation, but it's it's the infrastructure, it's the technology, it's the personnel. We've had a lot of people that have been on our team um, that have that have are retiring that spent 30 to 40 years with us. And now we're transitioning and all that. So I think a lot of family businesses, um, whenever you're in a, a generational transition, it can become a really challenging place. And you have a, a variety of pressures and you have people that are coming and saying, Hey, I recognize this. Are, are you interested in selling or, or, or we need to, we could, we could um, influx some capital into your business. Is that something that you're interested in? And, and right now we've been fortunate to where, um, I have a desire to be here, and and I and I want I want like to maintain that. I think my aunts and uncles they they want to maintain that. The other thing that's really cool about our family business is when I go out this morning, I'm I'm out on the production line and I'm talking to Lorraine and Charlotte, who are sisters, who've um, their children have worked here. Stella Stella worked here for 43 years, and both of her daughters also work here. Um, you know, Heather's in HR. Her daughter worked with us at the Vine. Um, Kim, our customer service manager, her son did did some part time work here. So it's this this community really does get behind it from a, a family families across all of you know all of our team. You know, it's we've had three three generations working together that weren't Hubbard family, but just you know it's just part of part of what we do in this area. And it's been really, that's been something that I'm proud of to see when, when I'm, when a child comes to work at the same place where their parents did, because I think that we've created, I hope we've created a good culture and, and, and we're good stewards of this community. And I think that um, hopefully that kind of comes across in, in some of what we do um, because that's really valuable and important to, to us. And that's a big, a big thing for our family to, to want to be, um, stewards of this community and that means being stewards of all of the, the families that we're a part of yeah that's that's great and i'm sure that the town of sedley is proud to have you there and um and that's so you're not just a family business in terms of your own family it's like you have other families that are there you're obviously contributing a lot to the economy in that area and um you're but but and you're small but you're Big too. You ship to every continent in the world except Antarctica. I noticed on your video it says that. Now, why not Antarctica? You just just lazy? Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> you know, if if the right scientists called and needed some peanuts down there, we would we would get them there. Yeah. Uh, we we primarily are, are shipping all over the United States. We do ship a, across the world, but pretty much every day we hit most states. Um, which is, which is cool. And it's, yeah. it's when I get into the fourth quarter and we're doing the holidays and I'm working and, and putting labels on boxes, I really get to take a lot of trips in my mind every day. I'm going to different cities and different communities and it's really fun to see where this product is going. And that's, I, I take a lot, I've traveled a lot. I'm, I'm a big believer in it. And so it's fun to when I'm in our warehouse in Franklin and I'm slapping labels and I'm able to go to all these different places where we're shipping um, a part of us is going. And that, and that is something that's cool. And it's something I'm proud of for sure that yeah. we're able to do. That's great. Um, we got to wrap up in a little bit, but before we go, just a couple of more things. First of all, probably the most famous peanut farmer in the world is Jimmy Carter. And he is like 98 years old. He's still around. Last time he was seen in the public, he was swinging a hammer, building a house. Is there a correlation between peanuts and longevity of life and uh, determination? I, you know, I would I say that peanuts are mother's na mother nature's vitamin pill. They are the world's most important superfood. We've got more protein in peanuts as a plant-based protein than any other nut. Arginine, niacin, fiber, folate, reversal. There's every everything that we need is in a, is in a peanut, and so it really is a a good 
good food for your heart, good food for your brain, and environmentally, it's super important. We, we require a fraction of water that other nuts do. They're drought resistant. We take nitrogen out of the atmosphere, put it into the soil so you don't have to use that fertilizer. So, I mean, I think from an environmental standpoint and from a health conscious standpoint, peanuts really are a, a important superfood um, for not just our, our country here, but they're grown on six or seven continents. So every region of the world has its own supply. So as a plant-based protein, peanuts really are important to solving global food insecurity issues. And so, um, it, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm real bullish on, on the peanut. <laughs> as i can imagine and and me too i love peanuts i always have peanut butter is something that you know my my wife has to tell me like get a cracker because i'll just eat it on a spoon um and so yeah i'm so glad that y'all reached out to me that i was able to try your product um where can people find your product what is the best way for people to order your nuts I mean, the, the best way is just our website. It's hubspeanuts.com. That's, uh, we ship anywhere. We, we do a lot. We, if you have customers or clients, we can ship um, to your friends or gift list. Uh, we also have a number of different um, stores. You're in uh, Asheville and Wrong Way Campground is a new spot right there that, that a friend of mine started. I think they carry some Hubs Peanuts there. And uh, the Fresh Market is also another go-to that I tell folks in North Carolina uh, to check us out at, um, at the Fresh Market um, or check out Shelton at Wrong Way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I didn't realize you were at Fresh Market. That is a popular yep. shop right here in Asheville. Um, well, Marshall, I, I can't thank you enough for joining me today. And I fell in love with your product when you sent it to me, but I really fell in love with your company when i watched your youtube video and i would encourage everybody to get on youtube and search for hubs peanuts and watch their youtube video it's very charming like you just wanna you need a tissue box when you watch this six minute video um and i like like i said tom hanks could play h H.J., I'm not sure who would play Dot. Uh, we'll have to think of the America's favorite uh, actress. Uh, but, um, Marshall, and we'll cast you. I'm not sure. Tom Hanks uh, is already <laughs> taken, so we'll use Tom Cruise for you. Um, but, Marshall, thanks again for being here. And uh, I want to just send you off with a, a thank you and, you know, come visit us in Asheville someday. I love Asheville, Stu. Thank you so much for having us. And um, yeah, we really are, are, are grateful for the opportunity and, and, and appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody. It's me, Stu Helm, the food fan, and I am here on Haywood Road at Beecham's Curve or just before Beecham's Curve and I am standing outside of the Hop Ice Creamery. I'm here with my nephew Hanson and we are going to talk to Greg Garrison, co-owner with his wife Ashley, and they have made a special uh, ice cream using Duke's mayonnaise. And now before you all start to vomit, it is basically a chocolate cake made with Duke's mayonnaise, which is a pretty traditional thing. Mayonnaise is basically eggs and oil, so you can substitute the eggs and the oil in a cake recipe with any kind of mayonnaise, but why would you use any kind of mayonnaise when you can use Duke's? And so, in honor of Tubby coming to our town, uh, Greg and Ashley have made a Duke's chocolate cake mayonnaise ice cream, and Hanson and I are going to go sample it. Are you excited, Hanson? I'm very excited. I like Dukes. Right on, right on. Oh, wait, there's a chain. We'll have to get past this chain. All right, I'll check in with everybody in a minute. All righty, folks. We got inside the door. We can manage to get on the other side of the chain, and now we're inside of the Hop Creamery, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of people. I'm just going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Greg, owner of the Hop Ice Cream. Uh, I'm Emily. I'm the general manager of the Hop. Hey, I'm Jeff. I'm the production manager of the Creamery. And Jeff, we heard that nothing happens at the hop without it goes through you first. Is that the case over here? That's exactly right. That's right. <laughs> He's the head honcho, even though this guy's the big, the big guy over here. And Greg, thanks for having us in. What do you have planned for us today? 
So I was just going to give you a little tour of the space uh, and then finish with a sampling of the chocolate mayo cake ice cream that we made for Tubby's visit. Nice. And now you contacted me and you said, uh, what if we tried to do an ice cream with Duke's mayonnaise? And that sounded so crazy that I said yes immediately. And I did not expect it to be a chocolate cake ice cream, but that makes perfect sense because people make cake with mayonnaise all the time. Like it's an old recipe. Is that correct? Yeah, we, you know, we've kind of gotten over that initial gimmick phase of making ice cream. I mean, we still do it occasionally. I'm actually staring at the 12 Bones Blueberry Chipotle barbecue sauce label for making that into ice cream. But Wow, that sounds awesome, actually. But yeah, we're just trying to you know take these components. You, know, you gave us the idea of using mayonnaise as an ice cream, and then it's our job to try and find a way to do that, and that would like legitimize the, the effort and not just be for the gimmick. I love that because obviously people here online that you're doing, like I've been teasing it, the hop is doing a mayonnaise ice cream and I'm going for that gag factor with that and then zing, it's a chocolate cake ice cream and everybody's like, oh, thank God, (laughs) right? It's like a relief, you know? And uh, Jeff, tell us how you, you were instrumental in coming up with this uh, idea for the chocolate cake, is this correct? Since nothing happens without you. How did this happen with you? So luckily, uh, I've got Ashley, who is the co-owner of the hop, heavily involved with a lot of the recipes, and the mayo chocolate cake and the mayo chocolate icing came from Ashley. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ashley's kind of the OG hop person. She worked at the hop when I first got to town. And I, I tell the story all the time about how I went so often that one, one day I was like, I'm getting kind of chubby, I better stop. I didn't go for three days, and Ashley was like, where you been? And I was like, see, that's what was going wrong right there. Um, anyways, so yeah, let's, do, let's go on this tour. I'm going to turn off the recording. We'll get started, and I'll turn it back on at points of interest along the way. All right? Yeah, we're about to open the door into the back room, and we've got a bunch of stuff happening in there. Uh, Ice cream making prep. Uh, We just got some peaches in from Lee's One Fortune Farm. Um, We're making some peach ice cream, so let's go check it out. All right, cool. So this is our little beehive, as I like to call it, um, where we've just got all kinds of stuff happening in here all the time. And right now we're doing production five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday, and just taking anything that we can get or make and turning it around either directly for ice cream making or for using in our retail locations as like toppings or uh, accessories to the ice cream. Um, So... Yeah, what's happening here with these big trays of delicious brown-looking stuff? Yeah, so that is the the salted caramel that oh. goes into our salted caramel ice cream. Uh, so it looks like it just came off out of the pan and is cooled a little bit. Um, Al is here taking care of that. Al, incidentally, is the one that made the chocolate mayo cake and the chocolate mayo icing uh, for cool. the for the ice cream. Thanks, Al. <laughs> and yeah, so. Uh, finish prepping the salted caramel bits which will eventually be blitzed into smaller crumbles and then mixed into the salted caramel ice cream what just came out of the cooler here so that's our cream mix uh, oh man that... I just want to poke a straw in one of those things <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that would be ambitious of you uh, but it would probably taste pretty good though I mean it's I like bet. sweet cream right yeah, yeah. if you've ever had sweet cream ice cream that's basically Absolutely. the pre ice cream version okay um, but then we've got brownies being wrapped and um, looks like some peach jam being made with Lee's One Fortune Farm peaches. Uh, and then off in the, uh, the furthest station, we have peach ice cream that's actually coming out of the machine. Uh, I see it. Right now. So God, it looks good. And it might be dairy and vegan at this point. It looks like that might be a vegan tub. In the back, the one in the corner is vegan. Yep, Nadine is taking care of that. And uh, we've got 
the other machine is running the dairy peach ice cream. Yeah, looks super delicious. Did I ever tell you I worked in an ice cream factory one summer when, when I was in college? I don't think so. I don't know if I ever knew that. I worked at a place called Emac and Bolio's in Boston, Massachusetts. And so seeing this machine operate, the one I operated was actually quite a bit larger, but it's bringing back old memories, Craig. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're still very much small batch, and we've got several locations, but it's all still very much small batch. And our, our average batch size is five gallons. Okay, uh, wow. Okay. So we're still we're still very much hands-on with the whole process as opposed to automating it. Um, right on. Yeah, so it's pretty good. So we're surrounded by toppings everywhere, and there's, what, like six, seven people working in this kitchen, seven or eight? Yep. Um, so a bustling business and making some of Asheville's favorite stuff for sure, man. I feel like I'm in the, the heart of where the, the great things happen in Asheville right now. How long have you been at it, and how long has the hop been around? So uh, I'll do that in reverse order. So the hop started in 1978. Uh, at the old location on Merriman Avenue next to where Luella's is right now. And uh, it's changed hands several times since the original owners. And Ashley and I became the fifth owners of the business in 2008, uh, a year after it moved from the original location to where it is now on Merriman. Um, And yeah, so we're approaching, but we started working for the old hop when you remember Ashley being there. Both of us started in 2003. So we're closing in on 20 years uh, with the business. Wow. Which is pretty crazy to think about. Like It is. 20 years in anything, that's a long time. It really is. And I feel like uh, you guys really elevated the hop to a place where it is one of the sort of pillars of our food community because you have been at it for so long, like as a business, but just you and Ashley too. And you guys, your outreach and your um, social media and your um, collaborative efforts of working with people in town have really made the hop into something beyond just ice cream for us. Like you're part of our culture here in Asheville. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, we we didn't know that that was what would become of the business under our our uh, stewardship, but we're really proud looking back at all the relationships that we've built and uh and how when you when you experience ice cream there's these little stories that you can trace through all the flavors um like the salted caramel has its own like backstory and origin story right so there's these these looking at our menu from my standpoint now now 20 years in i'm like just amazed sometimes at at the depth of love and energy that goes into each one of them uh and it's it's almost all of them it's like even chocolate right it's it's not just a chocolate ice cream it's got this whole story about ashley sampling all these different cocoa powders and stuff like that and eventually being fed up that she couldn't find the right one and and making her own like making her own blend uh, that we still do today that's awesome so but anyways yeah it's um oh i see fresh peaches being cut over there yeah that's uh lee's one fortune farm grows the best peaches and they have so many different varieties and a lot of them are asian cultivars that they brought over um and they're unique you can't find them anywhere else and every one of their customers knows exactly uh that that is the case like they are the best peaches yeah um, they are very well loved and regarded in this town. Yeah. Um, Greg, what are the chances we can eat some ice cream? I think it's pretty high. We have okay. a lot of ice cream in this space. All right. Um, so, yeah, let's let's go try a little bit of this fresh peach ice cream that's just coming out Ooh, of the machine. Scary. And then we have a special serving of the chocolate mayo cake ice cream just for you today. Right on, right on. All right, I'm going to stop the recording, but we'll check back in in a little bit. All right, folks, I have the extreme pleasure to be talking to the person who made the Duke's ice cream chocolate cake. Arrange those words however you want. And this is Al, and Al is responsible for the cake. And you said you have a lot to say about this cake, Al. What do you want to say about it? I think that uh, chocolate mayo cakes are where it's at. I mean, it's a very old-fashioned kind of cake. You don't see it much these days, but um, I think that... Some traditions are for a reason, and this cake is just so moist and delicious. I mean, when you think about mayo, it's pretty much just eggs and oil. 
and vinegar, and that's a huge component in cake already, so when you take that into a normal chocolate cake batter, it just makes it so much more moist and fluffy and just delightful. And the frosting as well, especially with that Duke's, like the nice tang to it with the chocolate, they just pair perfectly. That's fantastic. And so I'm glad you mentioned Dukes and do you feel like Dukes makes the difference? Like, oh, yeah. Like, we're not just bringing any mayonnaise mascot to our town. We're bringing Tubby to our town. And so you can't just give Tubby any mayonnaise. He would probably just dump it right on the ground. Yeah. He's that kind of person from what I understand. As he should. As he should. I am loyal to Dukes. Me too. <laughs> I didn't grow up with Dukes, though. Did, did you grow up no, eating No, actually, I'm a convert. I, I'm from Chicago, and when I moved down here, everybody was like, Dukes is the way, and it's changed my life. Well, same same here. I grew up in Boston. I lived in Chicago for seven years, though, so yay, Chicago. Um, and I grew up, my last name is Helm. I grew up eating Hellman's. So, and, I, and mayonnaise was mayonnaise to me. My brand loyalty was strictly because it sounded like my last name. <laughs> right? And then I come down here, and just like you, everybody's like, Dukes, Dukes, Dukes. And I'm like, y'all are crazy. And it was, it was like 15 years before I started using the expression, y'all. But now I let myself do that. Especially because now, I am a Dukes fan because I tasted it and you can taste the difference. Yeah, and this is the first mayo cake I've made with Dukes and I really think you can taste the difference, especially in the frosting. Okay. Um, Dukes, I understand, is unique in that it is a whole egg mayo. Mm -hmm. Some of the mayos don't use the whole egg. Yeah, just the yolk. Just the yolk. So I think that is probably the difference in the flavor of the mayo and probably makes the difference in the cake. Yeah, probably. All right. Anything else you want to tell us about this cake, about yourself? Oh, Greg wants to say something. Yeah, so when when I was talking with Al about this, uh, he mentioned the cocoa powder that was chosen to go with the cake, which I feel like is is one of those things is like the level up, right? Okay. Is that we could have just used whatever cocoa powder, just following some recipe or, or just traditional, but Al specifically chose a certain type of cocoa powder that paired the best with the tanginess, with the vinegar. And I feel like that's just... That's kind of what I was talking about before. Like, this space allows us to have that freedom of expression, of creating the best that we possibly can, as opposed to just being like, I'm a person making a chocolate mayo cake. Right. It's like, no, nah, this is the cocoa powder that needs to go with this mayo. I feel like that was a, a classy move. Oh, definitely. And I mean, like you said, this space allows that because we have so many different cocoa powders that I could actually take the time to think about that. You know, that's not super common, so I appreciate this space letting me put the effort into those little details. That's fantastic. And um, so you've tasted all the cocoa powders. You have an idea in your head of what they taste like. And then you did some pairing, like, or you just did some figuring. How, how'd, you, how'd you figure it out? Oh, I just wanted to go for our darkest, richest one. Okay. I thought that that would go with uh, the tanginess of the mayo. Fantastic. All right, Al. Ghirardelli Sunrise. It's the way to go. All right. That's great. A little brand loyalty on the cocoa powder, too. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Al, thanks for talking to us. Yeah. And thanks for coming up with this cake recipe yeah. and I, I hope you get to meet tubby i know you're a busy person no i'd love to i'd be honored okay well <laughs> thanks again al take yeah. care thanks al yeah thank you and, and emily i just be you gotta run but before you go i wanted to ask you what's up with the bubble tea shop up there on merriman how's it going up there what's the news it's going really well. Next Thursday, the 3rd of August, we're going to have our final Poppyization tour release. Um, it's a cold brew black tea, milk tea. Um, and Jay Chong will also be there to sell some shrimp shumai and some other stuff. That's really fun. Chef Jay Chong is just one of the most brilliant and most highly regarded chefs in town. And it's always great to hear of the collaborations with the great places like the Hop and the Bubble Tea Shop. Remind me of the name of the Bubble Tea Shop. It's so new. Pop. Pop. Pop bubble it's, tea. It's yeah. called Pop. Okay. I got to <laughs> I'll remember that. All right, Emily, I know you got to go. Thank you for talking with us. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right, thank you. All right, y'all. We're still here at the Hop Ice Creamery, and Hanson and I just got done sampling some of this Duke's mayonnaise chocolate cake ice cream. What'd you think, Hanson? It was so good. Very rich and creamy. Very tasty. Very tasty, and yeah. it came out of the Sub-Zero uh, freezer, so it was rock hard when we started, and then it got a little softer, and the flavor really came out as it got yeah. softer. It was really good as it warmed up, for sure. 
Now, Hanson, how old were you the first time you tried the hops ice cream? Zero. Zero. (laughs) When I had teeth to eat ice cream or probably before that. Yeah. For sure. You grew up right up the street from the original location. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Family favorite. Well, speaking of families... We have uh, uh, somebody, a guest star, a, a superstar, joined us just now. It's Ashley uh, Garrison. And how are you today, Ashley? Good. Thanks for having me here, Stu. Oh, having you here to the creamery? <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. Welcome to the creamery. I'll give you a tour in a little bit. Um, so I heard that you were the person who said yes to should we make a Duke's mayonnaise. Yeah, I try not to shy away from anything that sounds too weird. I feel like it's a good challenge, and I feel I knew it was doable, so I was happy to get the chance to work on it. And how long have you been working with ice cream, Ashley? 20 years. Yeah, yeah. that's a long time. More than I ha- more years than I haven't been working with ice cream that's, at this point. <laughs> that's wild, yeah. Were you a teenager when I first started coming to the hop in, like, 2005? I was 20, and I just 20. turned 40 a couple weeks ago. Okay, wow, okay. Well, yeah, a, a half a lifetime of providing Asheville with some of the best food in town. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And we're going to wrap it up. Uh, any last things that you guys want to say about let's, let's, where is it going to be? Where is this going to be available? When? How can people get their hands on it? Yeah, so we'll have uh, six-ounce servings of the chocolate mayo cake ice cream available on Thursday when Tubby's visiting. Um, and Emily, who you heard from earlier, she will be there handing out those servings. Uh, while supplies last and then next monday the 7th we will be uh putting the last amount of this ice cream on the menu at our merriman location uh only and so we'll have that on the menu there while supplies last as well fantastic and limited time only it's it's here it's gone it may never came back come back but We'll keep our fingers crossed that maybe Tubby will come back and the ice cream will make a reappearance every year. Maybe we can uh, we can use that as an incentive to get Tubby to come back. Is that if we if he does, then we'll have to make this ice cream again. We'll we will deprive him of any ice cream. We'll be like, <laughs> sorry, Tubby, while you were busy shaking hands and cradling babies, uh, we ate all the ice cream, and then he'll have to come back. We'll make sure that Tubby gets some on this visit. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for letting us in, and thank you so much for making this special ice cream. Jeff, high five. Ashley, high five. Greg, Hanson. All right, everybody. I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, y'all, I hope you enjoyed that little trip to the hop and our interview with Marshall from Hubs Nuts. And right now I'm wanting to put some of those Hubs Nuts on top of some of that Duke's mayonnaise chocolate cake ice cream that the hop made. But I'm going to guess that by the time I'm recording this, that's already gone because they made a very small batch and we gave most of it away when Tubby was in town and then they sold the rest at the store and that was over a week ago. So I'm sure that's all gone and I won't be able to do that. But hopefully that flavor as well as Tubby will come back to Asheville one day. And just in case you have no idea who and what I'm talking about, Tubby is the giant jar of mayonnaise that is with arms and legs and crazy googly eyes. That is the mascot of Duke's mayonnaise. And he did come to our town and hang out for a little bit for pictures and such. Now, before I move on and say goodbye for the week, I do want to give a little review of a place in Marshall, North Carolina, that's called the Grateful Organic Diner. Grateful Organic Diner. And it is a straight up hippie style restaurant. Like, There's Grateful Dead music and Grateful Dead tangential music such as Robert Hunter and Bobby and the Midnights and all of that stuff was playing the whole time we were there. Like it did not vary from that soundtrack. There was images of Pigpen and other Grateful Dead luminaries hanging up on the walls. There was a stage where I'm sure people play Grateful Dead style songs and bluegrass and stuff that thankfully was not happening while we were there. Not because I don't like the Grateful Dead, which I actually do, but I was just not in the mood for live music at the moment. And 
a very hippie style menu with vegan and vegetarian and no meat in the house. Although there was some cheese and some eggs and some dairy in the house. Uh, but so we went to Marshall to Don and I did to meet our brother in law and Don's sister at this hippie cafe. Cause they're a couple of straight up hip- hippies with long hair and beards and stuff. He has a beard. She has long hair. He has long hair too. Um, and they eat vegan. And so we went there so they could get, we all, I, Don and I will eat vegan. We don't care. So we accommodate them. Like we don't make them come to the steakhouse and get a salad. We go to the restaurant that they're the most comfortable with and we have a great meal. And I did this uh, grateful organic cafe or diner. Gosh, now I can't remember. Look it up on Google. There's only like six restaurants in downtown Marshall. You'll find it. Um, grateful organic are the keywords. I got myself a, uh, version of eggs benedict and it did have eggs just to put your mind to ease and it was eggs hollandaise a biscuit a very moist and fluffy biscuit that was quite delicious it didn't have any crispy buttery element to it but it was quite delicious and then i had an option of adding to that some um carrot bacon i could have had tempeh bacon or carrot bacon and i've had tempeh bacon before and it can be good can also be bad depends on who's making it and how they make it but uh i decided to opt for the carrot bacon and i'm glad i did now my mom when i told her about this later she did not understand why anybody would eat carrot bacon like what is the point of that but it was delicious and let me tell you this whole experience was great uh, so if you don't mind eating, if you, if you don't mind eating at a hippie cafe, I implore you to go to the Grateful Organic Diner in Marshall, North Carolina, and order this Eggs Benedict with some carrot bacon on it, and you won't be disappointed. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening, and thanks to my guests for being on the show, and thanks to WPVM, the voice of Asheville, broadcasting to the world, and And thank them for taking my humble little podcast and turning it into a radio broadcast, which I think is pretty cool. And folks, uh, if you eat something good, find me on social media and let me know about it. All right. Have a great week. I'll talk to you later. Folks, I just want to remind you that Western North Carolina is one of the hunger hotspots of America. Although we might think of Asheville as Food City, USA, there are a lot of folks who live in and around here who are dealing with food insecurity on a daily basis. So if you can, please give to Mana Food Bank. Mana has been providing food to the people of Western North Carolina for 40 years. They do a great job and they are a wonderful organization. So again, if you're able, please go to manafoodbank.org. That's M-A-N-N-A, manafoodbank.org, and give what you can to help out fighting hunger here in Western North Carolina. And now back to the show.